Welcome to Buy Sci-Fi Bite-Sized Finance. I'm Kelly Brothers. I'll be your host serving up some of the most succulent stories from our region about people, places, and things that impact our community and your financial well-being. I'm sure there will even be a few tasty surprises here and there when the recipe is right. Our goal is to have you learn, think, even laugh a little bit, all calorie-free. I know you'll enjoy what we're delivering right to your kitchen table or dining room or, sir, will you be eating in your car? Wherever you choose to listen. Welcome, everyone. Kelly Brothers here, Bite Size Finance, or Buy Sci-Fi. This is our opportunity to sit down with interesting people and talk about business or finance or the law or whatever we want to talk about and hear their stories, not only of successes, but failures as well. Buy Sci-Fi, you're going to find us every Sunday, 3 o'clock on KFBK or wherever you find your podcasts. Our guest today, Ann Rosenthal. Of Drobny Law, Anne is not only an attorney there, she is the managing shareholder. She is at the helm of the ship. She tells Mark Drobny what to do, which is hard to do. It's very difficult. And good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So let's start with your personal history. I, I believe you're from the Midwest originally. Is that correct? I sure am. I am, you know, a Kansas City gal and all of my sports allegiance is still remains there. So I get into trouble a little bit out here, but they they allow it. So you're happy with the whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing going on, I assume, correct? Okay, well, what was that one game where they showed a little too much of her and not as much as the game? But other than that, we're a huge fans. Good to hear. So where'd you go to where'd you go to law school then? So, you know, born and raised in Kansas City, and then I went out to Washington, D.C. for college and law school, undergrad at American University and law school at the Catholic University of America. And when you got into law, what what was the impetus for thinking, you know, this whole estate tax law that kicks in when people die, that's something I'd like to do. What, What was the impetus there? Oh, I mean, the appeal of death and taxes was just <laughs> immediate. No, it's it's definitely not, you know, what a lot of young attorneys or law students gravitate towards. You know, for me personally, I was always engaged by this area, you know, given its complexity and really who you get to fight with. You know, I, I never liked the idea of litigating between parties or families or adversaries, but You know, the idea of being able to help families, you know, shelter their wealth and their businesses from the IRS, you know, that's something that interested me always. So you, you finish up there. What was the, what brought you to Sacramento? You know what? It is my fiance's fault. So, you know, I followed a boy. Can you believe it? (laughs) And you flew right over Kansas City. I really did without stopping, much to the chagrin of my poor parents, but I am engaged to a New Yorker who is in the wine industry, and that is what brought us out to California. We originally started in the Bay Area. We were there for about a year, and then I got an incredible job offer up here in Sacramento, and we've been over here for over a decade and absolutely love it. It's great to hear. It is. I mean... There are those who think that Sacramento is kind of the the Kansas City of California, really. I mean, I can see that. (laughs) Kind of the Midwestern city. The neighborhoods are are strong. There's no beach to run to. You know, there is a little Midwestern Great Plains flavor in Sacramento, I think. 
I would agree. And the people here are just as friendly as they are in the Midwest. Although I will take the weather here any day over that Midwest winter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's start with the the, the premise that you brought up at the very beginning. And that is a state tax law is about to change dramatically. We are less than 24 months away from a major change. And this change, by the way, you don't have to rely on anyone in Congress or a president or anyone signing anything, doing anything. This is a current law sunsetting, which creates this change. Why don't you describe what the change is, if you would, Anne? Yeah, so you're exactly correct, Kelly. And I think that that's where a lot of my clients' fears lie, is that if Congress does nothing, you know, come January 1st, 2026, this is going to be our new normal. So today, each of you have a $13.61 million estate tax exemption. And really all that means is that if you pass away and your estate is under that amount, you do not have to pay any estate taxes to the federal government, which is good news. Bad news for high net worth clients is that anything over that $13.61 million amount, the IRS is going to be taxing you at 40%. So this means your children, grandchildren, beneficiaries under your will trust, they are paying a 40% tax on any assets over that amount. And this is money that you have already paid taxes on, that you have earned, that you have saved. And the government is now going to take a double dip and tax that again. So good news, we're very high right now, 13.61 per person. So for couples, we're looking at 27.22 million before we have a state tax. You know, this is affecting less than 1% of the population. Come January 1st, 2026, absent new legislation, this very large number is going to go back to the previous $5 million indexed for inflation. So maybe we'll get six, maybe we'll get six and a half, but you're looking at your estate tax exemption basically being cut in half January 1st, 2026. And do you have any estimate, Ann? On, I mean, we, we go from that affecting 1% of the population to impacting what percent of the population? You know, much larger, and especially for us who, you know, have the pleasure of residing in the beautiful state of California, you know, you're looking at real property with values continuing to increase, you know, retirement accounts, insurance, you know, even those assets that we traditionally think can pass tax-free, nothing is passing tax-free if we're in an estate tax context. No, you're right. And to complicate matters... Talk about for a moment about gifting, because don't be confused. If you were to, let's say you decide, oh, I'm going to give a million dollars to my kids or I'm going to I'm going to get that out of my estate. That's not really helping you because assuming you don't die in the next two years, right? That's correct. So I think there's really two things to touch on there. You know, the first is probably one of the biggest misconceptions I see with my clients, and I'm sure you see the same, is what is taxable gifting and what is allowed? So pretty much everyone is aware of your annual gifting exemption. You know, for 2024, we can all give $18,000 to as many people as we like. I can give $18,000 to every single one of your listeners. And besides being completely broke, 
I'm not going to have to pay any gift tax and I'm not going to have to file a gift tax return with the IRS. That being said, you can absolutely gift over that annual exemption amount. That is then just considered a taxable gift. So rather than having that $13.61 million estate tax exemption available at your passing, you can also gift up to that amount during your lifetime and not pay any gift tax. It would simply reduce the amount of estate tax exemption available at your death. But you bring up another good point, you know, look back periods. So we can't make too large of a gifts and then pass away. It's still going to be included in our gross estate. So we want to start doing gifting now, you know, prior to any tragic event. And we should we should touch on the fact too, Anne, that California hasn't done it yet, but there are a number of states out there that have a death tax or an estate tax, which is purely at the state level, correct? That is 100% correct. I can't tell you how many clients of mine, you know, leave California for preferential tax treatment. They move to Oregon, they move to Washington. They think they're saving a bunch in taxes only to realize our neighboring states to the north start imposing a state inheritance tax, you know, some at just a million dollars. So I always tell my clients, you are welcome to live in beautiful Oregon and Washington, but you are not allowed to die there. (laughs) So the idea that Jeff Bezos left Washington state for family reasons is kind of laughable. There was no way that man was going to die in a state where an estate, a state, a state tax kicked in above a million bucks. Oh, I mean, it would just be an astronomical windfall for that state. So I'm sure his advisors were just going red in the face saying, get out of this state as quickly as possible. (laughs) And I guess I'm a little surprised, Dan, given the political landscape in California, that other states have that and California does not. But of course, with the highest income tax and the highest gas tax and the highest this and that, I guess they're giving us a break. God bless them. I think they've gotten enough from us. I think it's fair. I I think you're right. So, you know what I want to talk to you about? I mean, just to structure this correctly is when we come back from the break, I think we will talk about some of the solutions, some of the tools you use to help people manage and structure their finances, their balance sheets in such a way that if something did happen, they wouldn't necessarily be just, their kids wouldn't be uh, just, you know, just massacred financially and all this, especially if you own a family business, especially if you own a farm or a winery or something else. I mean, to think that any young person would need to sell an asset to pay the tax due on that when you died is just the saddest of all scenarios, isn't it? It is. And you will get that tax bill nine months from the date of death. So they want it now and they want it all. But yes, we definitely have solutions that we can utilize to help to either eliminate or mitigate some of this tax. And the other point I want to make here before we go to the break is, yes, it's as we do this uh, radio show or podcast, it is two years out. But don't think you can wait until... October of 25 to try to get this in order. It will not happen. Am I correct? You're correct. I'm afraid that, you know, you are not the only person in this boat. You are not the only person who needs to plan for this sunsetting of the law. So 
I would get in line sooner rather than later. Because I have a feeling that for quality attorneys like Ann Rosenthal, like Mark Drobny, your 25 calendar is nearly full already, given the demand for your services heading toward this momentum state. Am I right? I mean, absolutely. We're, we're looking at incredibly busy years the next two years. And, you know, I, I think the government does this to us on purpose. These laws always change on December 31st. So, you know, we'll be in the office then until midnight. But if we didn't meet well prior to that time, I'm afraid there's not a lot that we can do. Ann Rosenthal, managing shareholder of Drobny Law, joining us today on Buy Sci-Fi, bite-sized finance, every Sunday, 3 o'clock on KFBK or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kelly Brothers of Cap Trust, and I get the question a lot. How do you pick an advisor that is right for you? I always suggest interview a few people. Go talk to a few people. The truth is, most people will spend more time planning their next weekend getaway than they will actually finding the advisor that is right for them, their family, the next generation, an advisor that may serve you for decades or a generation or more. It's an important decision. Sit down and talk to people. See if you feel comfortable talking to people. After all, this is all about the conversation mitigating risks, and preparing for the future. Cap Trust, here in Sacramento, Roseville, and Folsom. I'm Father Christopher Calderon. I serve as the president of Cristo Rey High School, a work-study school. As we partner with businesses all throughout Sacramento, we want to take a moment to hear from our students as they share their experience. My name is Ashley Heredia, and my sponsor is Sutter Health. I love working with them, specifically the pediatrics, and that's the department I work in. I like to see how the doctors interact with the babies and the work that MAs do. Thanks, Sutter Health, for the opportunity. Thank you again to all our work-study sponsors for believing in and being a part of the work we do. Kelly Brothers back by Sci-Fi, bite-sized finance every Sunday at three or wherever you get your podcasts, conversations with business leaders, attorneys, people who have great stories and we can learn from their achievements, but also from their mistakes along the way. Today, we're talking with Ann Rosenthal of Drobny Law. She's the managing shareholder, an exceptionally qualified estate planning attorney. And let's start at the very basics here before we get into the high net worth area that we have been talking about again. But, you know, for a young couple coming up, maybe they have kids, maybe they don't have kids. But at what point does do people in their late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, what, what point do they need to start thinking about, oh, I should have a will or I should, oh, I'm going to need a trust at some point. Talk me through, you know, what the little benchmarks and litmus tests that young people should be looking at when they figure out when they need to come talk to you? Absolutely. So, you know, I think it really happens in stages. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients of mine for their children's 18th birthday present, they come in and they get powers of attorney and advanced healthcare directives prepared. Because once you are an adult, you know, if you have assets, if you have medical decisions that need to be made and you lack capacity, we're in trouble. So, you know, that's step one. I would say step two is when my clients either have their first child or they purchase their first property. So obviously, once you have a child, your world changes, you want to have a will, you want to have guardians appointed to make sure that the right people would care for them if you were ever unable to. 
And then in California, you know, our probate limit is much, much lower than these very high estate tax exemptions that we've been talking about. So current probate limit in California is $184,500. And that is a cumulative limit. So that means that if you own any assets over that amount or any real property, if it is in your name individually, you're passing or you only have a will, it is subject to probate, meaning that we are in court for about a year to a year and a half. Probate fees are set statutorily based on the gross value of your estate. So very expensive, very time consuming. So I say once your assets are over that amount or you're buying your first home, that's the time to start doing some estate planning. Yeah, I'd never even thought about it. But you're, you're right, too, about the 18-year-olds, because I know, I mean, let's say you have a college student and they're, they're going to school 500 miles from where you live and they fall and hit their head. You can't even get information from the, from the doctor or the hospital if you don't have the right form signed, right? Exactly correct. So it may not be the college send-off gift they were looking for, but it's definitely the one that they need. So if you, and let's, okay, let's fast forward. Now you're 45, 45 to 50, and you have a will, and maybe it's time to form a trust. Is that trust durable enough to last for the rest of your life? I mean, yes and no. I would say that the best part about a trust is how easy it is to amend the documents. So, you know, being the estate planning nerd that I've always been, I'm on... I think iteration number four of my personal revocable trust. But, you know, who you have as your successor trustee, who you have as your beneficiaries, this is going to change throughout your lifetime. But you can have the same trust and you can continue to amend it throughout your life. So it really is a document that will grow along with you. All right. Help me with a difficult conversation here, Ann, because I've had to have this a few times with with kids of clients, and that is they're getting married and they're bringing assets to the marriage. How do you have that discussion when there is love in their eyes and, you know, there's just nothing but rainbows and unicorns at all times. And you have to, you have to, you have to impart the message that, listen, if you are bringing that asset to the marriage, you have the right to keep that as a separate property. Talk me through that. I mean, that is exactly correct. So not even in the context of, you know, an impending marriage, but also, you know, upon the death of a parent, you know, even if you are married in a community property state, like you said, all assets that you had prior to the marriage, as well as all assets that you receive by gift or inheritance are your separate property. And as long as you do not commingle those assets, heaven forbid there is a divorce or dissolution, those assets will remain your separate property and will not be subject to division. So it's never a fun conversation to have with someone, but there's nothing wrong with having a separate property trust that has your assets prior to the marriage and your inheritance to make sure that they are protected for your beneficiaries and having a community or joint trust with your spouse for those community property assets. I would say Probably over half of my clients have both. And just the realization that you have those assets, you have control of those assets, you and your spouse can choose to utilize those assets in any way you want. But if they're there for the long haul and and you want to keep them separate, you can. I think the one line I've come up with is, listen, as uncomfortable as this conversation is, 
it's nowhere near as uncomfortable as you in five years coming to me and saying, I didn't know that my this marriage wasn't going to work for whatever reason. And why didn't you tell me I could have kept it separate? That would be a much tougher conversation. So I'm telling you, you can if you want. Absolutely. And like you said, just because it's your separate property, that doesn't mean that your spouse can't be the beneficiary of those assets. So keep it separate, keep the beneficiaries that you want. And then when things change, we're not in a situation that we can't get out of. How hard is it, Anne, for you when you deal with second marriages? I mean, is, is, that a, is that a difficult situation or is there a relatively easy template to follow, especially when the first marriage had children attached to it? You know, right. I'm sure you have to deal with this regularly. Absolutely. And I don't think that there is a one size fits all solution. I think especially for a client coming in who wants to provide for their new spouse, but also wants to make sure that children from a previous relationship are not going to get cut out should they pass and the surviving spouse chooses to completely redo their estate planning. So we have a lot of things available. You know, a portion of the trust may become irrevocable on that first spouse's passing. We may have assets in a completely separate, separate property trust that are going to go directly to the children. Or it may be as simple as having maybe an adult child serve as a co-trustee with a surviving spouse to make sure that assets are being managed properly. Oh, that makes some sense, too. You're right, because that does get a little thorny, doesn't it? Especially especially with men who have a pension to... (laughs) (laughs) to marry a younger woman. And then the kid's like, wait a minute. She's the same age as me. (laughs) I can see it getting a little thorny. And before we take the break, because we have much more to talk about, but I want to make sure we allow people the time to write this down or to think about it or to go back and listen to it. How do people get a hold of you if they need to access you and your services at Drobny Law? What's the best way? Absolutely. I mean, you can look us up online. We are Drobny Law Offices. We are based in Sacramento, and we also have offices throughout the state. Our phone number is 916-419-2100, and we will be able to get you in touch with the right estate planner for you. And by the way, they've done incredible work for a number of significant nonprofits in the Sacramento area, everything from Sac State to the SPCA, what they what Anne has done, what Anne and Mark have done with the SPCA is just astounding. Of course, really, it is when it, when you look at the estate gifts that the SPCA gifts because of the work you do, and because I will say because the supporters of the SPCA are exceptionally loyal and passionate about their cause in a way that. Maybe the supporters of most charities are not. Am I correct in that, Anne? Absolutely. And I think we throw incredible events, raise money for an incredible organization. We are so lucky to have the Sacramento SPCA be such a beacon. I mean, you go to SPCAs in other counties, just nothing compares. They do incredible work. No, they do. And and to go in and, and do yourself a favor, go get a tour. Go see what the work they do. Go see the assembly line of spay and neutering and what the benefit of that is to to all of us and to pets in general. So congratulations on that. And Rosenthal, managing shareholder of Drobny Law, is our guest today. You are listening to 
bite-sized finance by sci-fi on whatever podcast platform you like or every Sundays at three o'clock on KFPK. Kelly Brothers here for Cap Trust. We are fiduciaries. That's an interesting word. What does that mean? That means that legally we are obligated to put your best interests over our own. Non-fiduciaries don't have that same legal situation. They can sell you something as long as it's suitable, but they don't have to put you in the best thing for you over their best interest. In other words, they can't just sell you a nice annuity with a big fat commission for themselves, even if it's not the best thing for you. We are fiduciaries. We are proud to be fiduciaries. And let me say something too about price. I am always shocked by the fact that there are people who I know will scour the internet for the cheapest flight or the cheapest ticket to a ball game, but they have no idea what they are paying for their advisor. We tell you upfront in black and white, here's what you're paying for what you're getting. Cap Trust here in Sacramento, Roseville, and Folsom. Do you have a financial plan for your pets? Protecting your loved ones, both two- and four-legged, is important, and the Sacramento SBCA can help. Join us for a complimentary estate planning seminar and learn how you can provide for your family and your pets while also creating a lifeline for animals in need. Visit sspca.org forward slash estate to view seminar dates and secure your spot for one of our upcoming virtual sessions. That's sspca.org forward slash estate. Kelly Brothers back, buy sci-fi, bite-sized finance. If you want to get a hold of me, if you've got a, an idea, if you've got a question having to do with finance or estate law or someone we should talk to, drop me a note at buy sci-fi podcast, B-I-S-I-F-I podcast at gmail.com. Our guest today, Ann Rosenthal of Drobny Law Offices. She is the managing shareholder and a practicing attorney in estate law. And I got to ask you about horror stories. Because I know you've got to have big, juicy horror stories. And horror stories, I'm not doing it just for the salacious effect, but because when you hear a horror story, it might actually prompt you to take action in your own life. I'll give you mine, which I know is not as hairy as yours is. But in this case, it was a client of the firm. The man had been married for 25 years. We had all of his accounts except for one. And that one account was the 401k rolled into an IRA from his very first employer from 40 to 50 years prior. And he left it with the son of his golfing buddy because he didn't want to upset that apple cart. He wanted to throw the kid a bone, which I get. Although this is one of the reasons I always tell people, no, consolidate. Because if you if you split accounts between two or three advisors, you're going to have just enough with each advisor to never get the service you deserve. But in this case, gentleman passed away and and his wife of 25 years, second wife and family were all shocked to see that the beneficiary on the IRA with that other advisor, the beneficiary was his first wife, who he had not been married to for over 30 years, over 30 years. And because it had never been touched, it was it had been growing It was a, you know, it was a $300,000 account, but it went, boy, she was happy to get that. She was ecstatic. And, and I tell that story, A, to just, and you can speak to this much more 
intelligently than I can, but you know, it doesn't matter what your will or trust says or what you told someone. Your beneficiary designation is your beneficiary designation. And you have to pay as as much attention to that as everything else you're you you know in as, as you put together your estate plan. So I always, especially when people go through the dissolution of a marriage, I always say, let's check all your beneficiary designations. Check it in your 401k, your IRA, any insurance policies. But that was embarrassing for the other advisor because as they say, he had one job and he didn't do that job. The beneficiary designation was completely wrong. And at that point, there was nothing that could be done about it. Okay. I'm sure you have an even better story than that. And take it away. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid, Kelly, it's, it's the same story. It just has more zeros on it. And, you know, this is a really common issue that we see, you know, beneficiary designations and estate planning documents. Like we said, you know, these are documents that maybe you established 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago when you know, who you trusted in your life, who you wanted to leave assets to are completely different than what you have now. And absent changing those, if something happens to you, that's where your assets are going. You know, the good news is that the probate code protects our estate planning documents a little bit, our will, our trust. We can get those voided if you're divorced, but retirement designations, beneficiaries on life insurance. You know, I had a client who again, decades ago, was divorced from her husband. He was a race car driver, so had large, large insurance policies on his life. He subsequently remarried, had a family. They were never in touch until he passed away. And she was notified by the insurance company that she was the named beneficiary of a $10 million life insurance policy. Get out of here. And... Oh, no, $10 million. And of course, the new wife and the children filed suit, but there was nothing that could be done. It was a valid beneficiary designation. There was nothing to show that he ever changed it. And she got $10 million. And it was insurance, so tax-free. Tax-free, $10 million. What was the size of the rest of his estate? <laughs> I mean, luckily he did have a sizable okay, okay. estate, but I would say that was a, that was a good one third oh, of it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 You you can't be too careful about that. Let me ask you about another, not a touchy subject, but one that more and more of us have to deal with, and and it's very difficult and touchy. And how how do you counsel your clients? as to how to deal with parents who are suffering from cognitive impairment. We know Alzheimer's, we know dementia, just the effects of old age. What, when do you know, you know, it's such a spectrum. What is the point at, with, at which you need to say, mom, dad, we need a power of attorney if, you know, or else this, this whole thing is going to come off the rails. How do you talk about that? Yeah. And it's such a tough conversation to have. And the sooner you can have this conversation, the better. You know, we're all living longer, which is fantastic. But with that comes, you know, the increased risk of dementia, Alzheimer's or some sort of other cognitive issue happening to all of us. It's just the reality that we live in today. And unfortunately, the reality that we live in today is also full of predators I mean, 10 years ago, I would see financial elder abuse come across my desk maybe once a year. 
And now we have an attorney in our firm that that's basically all she deals with on a day-to-day basis. You know, people taking advantage of people with diminished capacity for their own financial benefit. And and, and before you move off of that, are are most of those family members or non-family members or a mix of both? You know, it really is a mix of both. You know, every once in a while we'll get, you know, a helpful neighbor that inserts themselves a bit too much and then convinces, you know, mom or dad to sign a property or a trust for their benefit. But a lot of times, unfortunately, it is a family member who really is taking financial control over someone that if they were at full capacity would not be making those decisions. That's such a tough thing right there. I mean, how, how someone runs that when someone has diminished capacity, someone, you know, because usually it's not an on-off switch. Usually it's someone who has fleeting moments of complete consciousness and everything else. And yet they may not be suited to actually still take care of their own financial affairs. Do you advocate for private fiduciaries or other non-family members to come in and, and kind of take the reins? I mean, absolutely. You know, just because it really is a job, you know, everyone wants to be named the trustee. Everyone thinks that it's, you know, this wonderful role, but it is a thankless job. And I think especially if you are managing the day-to-day finances for a parent or loved one day after day, especially if there is a business or multiple properties or, you know, even just monitoring portfolios, it's a lot of work. And I think that if you or your family do not have the time to truly dedicate it to that, you know, utilizing a corporate or private professional fiduciary is a great choice. But I always like it to be the client's decision, you know, so don't wait until that point where it's no longer you making that decision. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I hate the idea of someone telling me one day, you don't get to make your own financial decisions. I don't think that would go over well with me. But I do like the idea of a trusted friend or family member or fiduciary serving as a co-trustee with me or serving as a power of attorney to make sure, hey, did you really want to wire $10,000 to Zimbabwe today? That seems a little out of character for you. You know, Anne, here's my view on the tax landscape moving forward. And you tell me if I'm wrong. You know, we look at the change in estate tax law and it's a big change. It will a lot more people, as you point out, especially in California, it doesn't take, you know, if you've got a house in Sacramento and a cabin at the lake and a decent sized trust or IRA or anything, your estate, you're bucking up against what the level will be in two years before too long, right? Absolutely. And, you know, these are appreciating assets. So it's just going to keep going up and up. So, you know, doing things now while your estate tax exemption is high, this is your window. And when we come back, I want to talk about a few of the tools you use to make sure that exemption is used before the deadline passes in two years. But my overall view is this, and that is that our government is spending money, you know, as I've said before. We're giving drunken sailors a bad name by the way we spend money. And so so that tells me, no, 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 this government's going to need more tax dollars in the future, not less. I mean, I think this year, I think we just passed, we're going to do a trillion dollars just in debt service this year. That's just 
paying for the debt we've already accrued. And that's an astounding number. And my point is just simply, don't think estate tax limits or tax rates in general are coming down. This is, this is a country that can't afford to have that happen. At least they don't think they can. Do you agree with that in general, that any hope of that is probably misplaced? Absolutely. I mean, anytime there's a deficit, they're looking for the deepest pockets to try and get out of it. I mean, this started back in 1917 to, you know, fund an undeclared war. Don't put past a reason why we can't have higher estate taxes. Crazy. It really is. And it's, and they, they will keep, and this thing is, you're going to have to be ready for both the federal and the state. What, who's coming after me now and for what? Ann Rosenthal with Dromney Love. We're going to talk about the tools you would use if you are a fortunate person who might be in that gray area, not impacted now, but certainly impacted in two years with the very quickly changing estate tax law. Buy Sci-Fi, back after this. For over 40 years, Drobny Law Offices has been assisting clients properly plan their estates and administer the estate of a loved one. With six attorneys and five paralegals practicing exclusively in estate planning and estate administration, Drobny Law Offices can assist in planning and administering estates from the modest to the largest and most complicated. The main offices are in Sacramento with satellite offices in Stockton, Modesto, San Ramon, Palo Alto, San Diego, and Reno. Unlike attorneys who charge by the tenth of the hour, estate plans are done for a flat fee, including not just the document production, but funding the trust, annual review letters, and routine amendments for life. The attorney-client relationship doesn't end with the execution of your documents. It's just the beginning. Estate planning is an ongoing process. Call 916-419-2100 for a free initial consultation. Drobny Law Offices, your attorneys for life. DrobnyLaw.com. Hello, this is Scott Thomas with CapTrust in our Sacramento office. I specialize in working with local nonprofits and associations. Annually, we survey private and public nonprofit organizations across the country to better understand challenges they see in today's environment. In our more recent survey, we heard concerns about proper board governance, mission-aligned investment, and how to implement alternative investments. If you would like a copy of the survey or to discuss your organization, look me up, Scott Thomas at captrust.com. Final section of Bite Size Finance, Buy Sci-Fi, every Sunday, 3 o'clock on KFBK or wherever you get your podcast, talking with Ann Rosenthal, managing shareholder, Drobny Law Offices. We've already established the fact that a state tax law is about to change dramatically in rough numbers. Uh, husband and wife today, if they stepped off a curb and were hit by a bus, 26, 27 million would pass to their heirs without a state tax. That number will be cut in half January 1st of 26. Now, granted, 12 million, 13, still a, a good number. There's no doubt. But there are people now who have... Let's just say they have a balance sheet with $10 million of assets. And they're thinking, I'm nowhere close to $26 million. I don't have to worry about estate tax. You add a few years of growth onto that. Maybe get lucky with pick NVIDIA or some other stock or something. You know, you, you, you get lucky with one of your investments. Suddenly you're above the number in two years. And then it's too late to take advantage of the gifting limits where they are today. So. If you're a family with, let's say, 15 million now, which could grow to 18 or 20 by then, and what are the tools you use 
to retain control over some of these assets, but move them off of your balance sheet? Give me the the rough breakdown of the tools you use. Right. And, you know, you bring up an important point, which is control. And that's always the hardest pill for my clients to swallow is they understand they don't want their heirs and loved ones to pay estate tax. But the idea of giving up this wealth that they have worked so hard for their entire lives is difficult. So the good news is that we have a lot of options available where control can still be maintained. And honestly, the easiest way is to put some of your assets into an entity, you know, create an LLC. You're the manager of the LLC. Put those assets into the LLC. And then rather than actually gifting the assets, you can gift your membership interest in the LLC, but they will never be the manager and they'll never be in control. And entities really allow us to also devalue your estate. Another difficult client, you know, concept to grasp because why would I want my assets to be worth less than what they are? But again, in the eyes of the IRS, our goal is to take what you have and make it look less valuable. So let's say that I have a apartment building that's worth $3 million and I give a third of it to each of my children. You know, I've made a $3 million gift. But if instead I put it into an LLC and I gift them one third of a membership interest, I mean, who wants to be a minority member in an LLC? I'm going to get an appraisal done with discounting for lack of control, lack of marketability. So when I file my gift tax return, I'm not making a $3 million gift. I'm making a $1 million gift and I'm staying in control and I'm utilizing less of my estate tax exemption. Talk to me for just a moment about the pros cons of using an LLC versus using a trust in some where someone else is the beneficiary. Right. And again, it's just a matter of control. If you want to move assets outside of your estate, utilizing a trust, you can no longer be the trustee, meaning you are not in control. I would say the most popular type of trust right now for that is something called a spousal lifetime access trust or a SLAT. And these have become very popular with the potential for losing a very high estate tax exemption because rather than having your children or other people as the beneficiary and trustee, you can have your spouse as the trustee and beneficiary, which really then allows you, hopefully, if you have a good relationship, to still have access to some of those assets. So you don't only have to be making gifts to children, grandchildren, friends. You can also irrevocably transfer assets to your spouse, utilize your estate tax exemption while it's high, and then if those amounts drop back down, they can't claw that gift back. And I assume the slat would be used when you have maybe a husband who is older than a wife or at least would have a shorter life expectancy than a wife. What happens if you put money into the slat under the wife's name and control and she predeceases the husband? Where do those assets go then? You know, so there's two things we can do. You know, the most common is that there's an alternate, you know, children, grandchildren, friends, charities, whoever else you want serving in that role. 
my other half of my clients, we utilize something called a floating spouse. And it is exactly what it sounds like. I'm not naming their wife. I'm using the term spouse. And so whoever is up next is taking over that role. <laughs> wow. It's that. That is. That is. <laughs> the floating spouse. The floating spouse. So it may not be who you're married to today, but as long as you want someone in that role, we can make that available. Talk also for just a moment about, I know, for example, that if let's say you had a trust account and you decided to gift that to your kids or to a child, let's say. And, but, but the downside to that, as I understand it is, well, first of all, you're giving up, you're actually gifting it. You're, you're gifting it out of your estate You're getting it out of harm's way in terms of an estate tax, but should also point out, for example, let's say that trust was a million dollars and let's say it was Apple stock that you bought for a hundred thousand, which is now a million. So there's $900,000 of gain in that trust. If you were to hold it till you died, your beneficiaries would get the step up in basis. That entire tax liability would disappear for all intents and purposes. Correct. But if you exactly if you correct. gift it, you are gifting the basis with the stock. And that's true for any asset that you would do that with. And that's a conundrum for people, isn't it? It's a huge conundrum. I mean, losing that step up in basis. I mean, are we trying to save estate tax or are we trying to save, you know, income tax? And it really does become a game. You know, with estate tax, we're at 40%. With capital gains tax, We're usually at 20%. So sometimes we're just picking which is the lesser of the two evils. But I think especially for clients whose beneficiaries know they're going to sell those assets, they're going to liquidate that stock portfolio, they're going to sell that cabin. Losing that step up in basis by gifting assets during your lifetime is a huge drawback. And that's why, you know, you want to be cognizant of changes in the law, but you don't want to overreact. You don't want to give away too much and lose that step up in basis because it's an incredible tax benefit. We can't also talk about a QPERT just so people understand what that is in case you do have, you know, a family house at the lake or a family house at the ocean that you want to keep in the family for generations to come. Yeah, absolutely. So a QPERT is a qualified personal residence trust. And in the eyes of the IRS, you can actually have two residences. So it can be both your primary residence and a cabin or a family beach home, but you only get two of them. And basically what is done is you would transfer your home into the Cupert, which now owns it. And you would say, I'm going to continue to live there for the next 10 years, after which time my house is going to go to my children. And what I get to do to the IRS by doing that is tell them, hey, This million dollar house that I'm essentially giving to my children, I'm not going to declare that I made a million dollar gift because I'm going to have a retained interest. I'm going to live there for 10 years. And because of that, I get to tremendously devalue that gift. So it really helps us by utilizing less of our estate tax exemption while still getting that asset to your children. I would say the biggest downside is once that QPERT term ends, so my 10 years is up, that house is now my children's. What if I don't want to move out? 
I then get to legally be required to pay them fair market value rent. But from an attorney perspective, I love this because the rent that I'm now paying my children to live in my own home, that is not a taxable gift. That is just a required rent payment on a property that I no longer own. So I'm really getting two estate tax benefits through the QPER. Great summary and great summary. We got to wrap this up. The hour is almost up. Can't thank you enough. One more time, tell everyone where they can reach you and for the ability to at least get a consultation with you or one of the fine attorneys at Drobny Law. Absolutely. So feel free to contact Drobny Law Offices. We are at www.drobnylaw.com. 916-419-2100. It's a very easy number to remember. And I don't mind telling you, my wife and I were headed to Hawaii and I think we had two or three kids at the time. We have four now, but we did not have a will and trust. And I called Mark and I know he doesn't want me broadcasting this, but literally he got it done in four days. (laughs) We got it. We got it all done so we could get on that airplane feeling good about the fact that our, our kids situation would be handled if something terrible happened. And, but that's what all this is about, planning in case something terrible happens. And Rosenthal, can't thank you enough. Managing shareholder, Drobny Law Offices, and today's guest on Bite Sized Finance. Coming up next week on Bite Sized Finance, Ethan Conrad. You probably know the name. You've seen it on signs all around town. We will have the story, though, of a man who started with one building over 20 years ago and has built it into a 10 million square foot empire in Northern California. That's right. Ethan Conrad, local guy, went to Sac State, has built a little empire. We're going to talk about that with him next week on Bite Size Finance, 3 o'clock on Sunday on KFBK or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Buy Sci-Fi, Bite Sized Finance. If you liked what we served up today, please give us your rating, subscribe, and by all means, share. Music for the show produced locally by Kitty O'Neill and her band, Skylar's Pool. Under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940, this podcast is defined as an advertisement and includes an uncompensated testimonial by a cap trust client. Please be advised that clients' experiences as described in this podcast do not necessarily represent the experience of other clients. The discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and are subject to change without notice. This podcast is intended to be informational only. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, investment advice, or recommendation to invest in any securities. CapTrust Financial Advisors is an investment advisor registered under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. CapTrust does not render legal advice. Thanks again for listening to Bite Size Finance. Kelly Brothers here for CapTrust. We are fiduciaries. That's an interesting word. What does that mean? That means that legally we are obligated to put your best interests over our own. Non-fiduciaries don't have that same legal situation. They can sell you something as long as it's suitable but they don't have to put you in the best thing for you over their best interest. In other words, they can't just sell you a nice annuity with a big fat commission for themselves, even if it's not the best thing for you. We are fiduciaries. We are proud to be fiduciaries. And let me say something too about price. I am always shocked by the fact that there are people who I know will scour the internet for the cheapest flight or the cheapest ticket to a ball game 
but they have no idea what they are paying for their advisor. We tell you up front in black and white, here's what you're paying for what you're getting. Cap Trust here in Sacramento, Roseville, and Folsom. 